0: Welcome, everyone, to the Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel cinematic community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: I'm not good at this stuff. What stuff? Talking. The Iron Fist podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 105, Under Leaf, Pluck Lotus, is sponsored by Take Down, Take Out. We'll kick you right in the breadbasket.
0: Pete, great to be continuing our Monday, Wednesday, Friday cycle of uh, the Iron Fist podcast. A programming note uh, starting next week with the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, we'll be doing Iron Fist twice a week, Mondays and Fridays. Uh, hate to slow down here on what has been a, a, a fun run, a fast run. Still getting you two a week plus S.H.I.E.L.D. So, uh, so continue listening, continue to stay tuned. Any thoughts there, Pete?
1: Great interaction with everybody between Twitter and Facebook, and looking forward to uh, moving through the rest of the show with everybody. Time to step inside the dojo and deconstruct this episode. A teaser mat with three women with rolling suitcases on the street. They all have a uh, little uh, luggage tag. Uh, in blue, um, that is the, uh, the logo for uh, Lao Xiao the Undying. Um, and they split up at a crosswalk. One uh, suddenly, in a meeting here, switches her ring from one finger to another and, and gives a pretty good view of her dairy air to the man she's about to have a meeting with. Another loosens a blouse button before she sits down with a doctor. And uh, the last shows off a case um, and wants to tell about a great new product here. And then we cross cut between the three very effectively. It'll only take a minute of your time, guaranteeing they've never seen a product like this before. It'll triple uh, profits once it hits the market in two weeks. And it's got that revolutionary synthesized opiate. Wait a minute. Is this what I think it is, Matt?
0: Well, Pete, if you mean horse, the big H heroin, it sure is. Uh, there's the mention there that uh, there's a, a a liver inhibitor, so the body can't get a resistance to it. Pete, these are uh, you
1: referring to the CP four five zero liver enzyme inhibitor, um, which prevents um, the, uh, la, 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 the human body from ever building up a tolerance to it.
0: Pete, that's the one. That's the that that's that's the one indeed being peddled by these, uh, these uh, these sirens here. What with their their well their synthetic heroin. One dealer wants an expert to be the judge. Uh, a guy clearly answering the casting call of heroin addict. I uh, have
1: um I have uh man bun junkie. Man I, bun. Actually, junkie. I have man bun dreads.
0: Man bun dread junkies. Um, he's disheveled. Pete even the track marks. We can do some train spotting here. Um, he is given a clear patch. I thought that, that was a rather elegant storytelling way um, <laughs> to, I don't know, just to say heroin on a patch. Um, he calls this notion ridiculous. Then he spasms backwards. Is he broken? The dealer wants to know. Uh after a moment, he kind of wakes. He looks clearer, which I thought was an interesting either lighting choice or makeup choice. Um, clearly, Pete, he's taken the bump. And uh, he says it's like the first time. How much can the dealer order? This clearly is a hit, Pete.
1: Right into our title card.
0: Which, by the way, Pete, I watched this episode on my Apple TV. I had to sit through the opening credits because there's not one of those... Fast forward through opening credit things like there is on the <laughs> website. I officially don't particularly like these opening credits.
1: Um, They have grown on me. Uh, the the way the the music uh, builds a little bit more. I've, I've heard some people compare it to uh, some of the uh, Daft Punk Tron legacy uh, stuff. We certainly hear echoes of it during the show in a way that we didn't really hear with the three other Marvel shows. You know, we never really hear the, the daredevil, the Jessica Jones or the, the Luke Cage themes within their show. It's, it's clearly the last rung in terms of uh, the four of them. It's yeah. With a metallic, you know, kind of, motion uh you know looks like tar at one point you know uh kicking and you know amorphous stuff happening but uh yeah
0: i mean yeah after the credits danny is in the office pete he has a a thicker tie on i had to wonder if that was uh not a a uh, observant bit of costuming there he having been uh, chastised by de facto big brother ward for his uh, effeminate tie last time but i digress danny has had a rand doctor uh that's sandy by the way yes um, dr sandy dr sandy she has analyzed the new drug it's not opium based it doesn't come from abroad and pete it's not particularly illegal i would put a call out to our listeners anybody who has uh, perhaps legal or law enforcement background I just have to wonder pete and i'm not i'm not standing on my soapbox either pro recreational drugs of any type or or anti although I think a lot of the anti speaks for itself, but my point is this: is there really no legal classification for this stuff is so new that we don't know what it does, but we can officially classify it as a class class x drug and therefore that is the classification for otherwise unclassified but immediately under the law in terms of consequences or lack of sale or fda screening or something like that so let us know listeners
1: i'm not quite sure that it's story baloney for me the rationalization that it would eliminate the need to harvest opium from foreign countries is the story point here um as far as okay, there's nothing illegal about this. If they had the right supplies, uh, any amount could be made in a real lab and there's no limit to how much they would be able to make. And the real problem for Danny is they could be on the verge of a major epidemic for the city. But Danny's going to deal with it, Matt. Um, so uh, he, he bows. Uh, he he uh, has the, the bundle there. And um, it's, it's a situation where obviously because this is coming in via the pier and this deal exists with the hand and the logo is, uh, as he will discuss with Ward in a little bit, of course, related to where he's been, there's a measure of responsibility. Speaking of responsibility, Matt.
0: Pete, back we go to the famous... 45th floor meeting room. Side note, they keep returning to this location so much that I think it it must be a set. There's no way that this is a real location because it is just a giant square inside which you have uh, Ward's office, Joy's office, this large meeting room, and some hallways and whatnot. But anyhow, they're in the meeting room. They put the big giant table back in there after the press conference. Oh, how would they get the table in and out? It's almost like the walls can move, including the ones out, <laughs> the out glass at the windows, the glass <laughs> walls. Um, Rand Enterprises didn't cause any cancer in its chemical plant. Honest, honest. Staten
1: Island, there. Uh, which, just a little bit of background, uh, you know, our our listeners, uh, not in the New York metropolitan area, and being in seventy-four countries as we are. Uh, downloaded, there, there's more than a few of you, Staten Island, one of the five boroughs of New York City, but Staten Island home to the largest dump in the world, Fresh Kills, um, which was going to be closed uh, prior to 9-11. And of course, that didn't happen because it was the largest area where they brought um, pieces of uh, the, the buildings but um i have to think this is in some way colored by that because for years and years and years around fresh kills there has been what is known as leech leachate there's they call it dump juice uh and there's there's been charges of cancer and emissions and not to mention the smell in those immediate areas so if you're gonna pick a burrow where you're gonna set your chemical plant, from a story uh perspective matt this is spot on
0: and I let's see. How do I put this? I like the writing, even though I dislike Joy's uh, legal maneuvering by saying that even if uh, even if there is a a cancer cluster going on. Um, and even if it was a result of Rand emissions, Rand is not to blame because Rand Enterprises has followed the letter of the law. So if there were allowable emissions that caused cancer, Rand still isn't at fault. The fault is government regulations, not and, Rands following and up that them. That
1: comes up twice. Like, well, there are laws that don't exist yet. So wait a minute. By that measure, essentially any action. Well, Matt, you know, you you uh you know, did something with healthcare today? Oh, there aren't laws that that exist yet about healthcare. Um, that something could be retroactively made illegal seemed a little spurious as a as a story point.
0: That's not how I took this. I, I to me, it was more um, like, for example, there's a certain there, there's a minimal. I remember this from my, my high school history class. I had a very uh, progressive history teacher. Uh, there's a minimal amount of um, bug, ground up bugs that's allowable in um, guacamole. And the number that's allowed is more than nothing. But it's so little because they've done the math and said if the average person that eats this much guacamole and blah 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 blah. So if you get a tiny little little bug antenna in in it for the for the six cups of guacamole the average person eats per year, it's no big deal.
1: But here's always my point with those, and I've heard it about, you know, rat poop with hot dogs. How do you know that if you like those things, that isn't like the thing that gives it its little kick? Well that you look forward to that you don't even know, wow, I like the taste of rat poop in my hot dogs. Uh,
0: and if you're somebody who has hot dogs once a week versus hot dogs once a month or hot dogs That's once a year. That's how
1: you get the cancer.
0: The, yeah, but I think that what they are arguing for here is that to, to, to use the, the uh, bug in the um, guacamole analogy here, if there's one antenna per gallon of guacamole – And that's what caused you cancer. Well, guess what? You're allowed one antenna per gallon. That's what the government says. That's not Rand's problem. Rand has a screening process that makes sure there's only three quarters of an antenna per gallon and you get cancer from that. The government said that's okay, Pete, it's almost like, can you imagine if these two things became one and if people like Ward Meacham and Joy Meacham had access to the, the, the greatest halls of government? What a a nightmare that would be.
1: Um, But the idea within this meeting that they follow the letter of the law that, you know, sorry that these people have gotten sick. Um, Even if you tried to tie it to us, we've we've done everything that the government has laid out to us. It's an emotional meeting. The woman starts to sob. We're not quite sure her story uh, at this point. Um, But. It's an issue. And then Danny heads into Ward's office and slides a deck of heroin across his desk.
0: As one does. He says the heroin is being brought into the new Rand Pier. Uh, Danny establishes that the Yang clan is a front for the hatchet men and that, that this was uh, a, a, a mechanism by which heroin was brought in still might be the case.
1: Now, uh, earlier, the previous episode, Joy and Danny uh, resolved to not tell Ward about the Hatchet Men. And now in this episode, Hatchet Men is thrown around like, oh, oh, yeah, the Hatchet Men.
0: Pete, that's because Danny has learned, he, he, he's learned nuance. And I don't mean that in a, I don't mean that to like raz the writing. Danny, who we're seeing is evolving out of the kind of de facto 10 year old mindset, which I think was in many ways his, uh, you know, how he was reinteracting interacting with, with the world at large again. He's seeing the nuance here of they're not going to tell Ward about the attack from the Hatchet Men, just that the Hatchet Men exist. Um, he goes on. To,
1: hatchet Men, like, oh, these guys are a bunch of
0: Hatchet Men. Perhaps if Ward doesn't pick up on the nuance and Danny doesn't know to explain, it's literally hatchet men, men with hatchets. Um, nonetheless, like a hatchet
1: job, you know?
0: <laughs> there's some exposition here about how the symbol on the H is the dragon of Sholoa. Uh Danny boils it down. The hand is using Rand to smuggle synthetic heroin into the city. Ward asks if this was figured out by a Chinese dude uh, leaving Danny a box. Um, and with that, Pete, Danny leaves... The heroin is still with Ward. He puts it in his desk very carefully on camera. The camera is showing it just in case you didn't know that the heroin is a with Ward.
1: And, and we'll see it again later. Uh, what better way, though, to, uh, you know, we talked in the previous episode about it's a real life thing, how these heroin uh, bundles are stamped with usually largely cartoony uh, existing things there was uh a bunch of heroin in our area matt uh with the simpsons uh with bart simpson on it um it's it's frequently uh done philadelphia had one with popeye um but that you have shaolau the undying a dragon on heroin one of the slang words slang phrases for use is chasing chasing the dragon so here literally metaphorically chasing the dragon is ward going to chase the dragon
0: spoiler alert yes because he has he caught it (laughs) because he has a a prescription medication problem that we're going to also explore um side note cvs but we'll get to that when we get there Uh, Danny walks out, he talks to the secretary, who kind of has this weird nook, because the more time we spend on the 45th floor, the more set-like it appears. Um, There's some weird banter, it's not like... Fruit roll-up banter? What's that?
1: Fruit roll-up
0: banter? There's fruit roll-up banter, there's also like, I guess nobody ever told Danny you can't walk up to a subordinate, let alone... Pete, nowadays, a subordinate of either gender, but certainly in a in a more even in a more traditional time, you don't walk up to your lady secretary and say, "So you like my apprentice?" Because um, nowadays, there's lawsuits for that. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps Joy could represent both the company and her secretary. Come um,
1: on, Matt. He did make her an origami
0: flower. Pete, I don't think that that's good corporate governance. You know, perhaps somebody needs to come from from a, an entertainment uh, news show to, to talk to Danny about the proper way to speak to the ladies. Um, anyhow, she's not able to answer his questions directly, but she can send Danny to see Sarah in transport about those Red Hook peer deliveries. I'm not entirely sure what the purpose was of this scene, other, to, other than to get Danny the info about the peer deliveries, um, maybe some character stuff there but again it, to me it came off as a little bit of a misfire just the way he was speaking to her i know he didn't mean it maliciously but but pete that's against fantastic geek policy talking talking to people like that
1: yes we never talk to our non-existent uh assistant in such a way um but he did leave her the flower and it does uh then directly hand the story off to ward explaining that he is leaving for lunch joy joins him in grabbing the elevator they catch up on how the meeting went uh she explains it was exactly as ward said they don't have a case um and then it comes back to the issue with the peer um and uh ward wants to know if Joy has been talking to Danny about the pier, which she denies, um, in the elevator, they, uh, drop all pretense. She, uh, points out that the truth about the meeting was, it was brutal. She knows exactly what these people are suffering from. Um, he is quick to point out, uh, that it's because she's a good person, um, that, uh, Uh, She's also a good businesswoman, and there are hard decisions that go along with that. She's just better at making them than most of us, speaking of somebody who's about to make a poor decision later in this episode. Um, But she cannot stop asking herself if she's doing something wrong. Laws don't exist yet. The refrain, Um, but she does wish that she was at fault so she could do something about it so she could help them. And I like words written in psychoanalysis here. You know what this is really about, right? But she says that she was so scared when dad got sick. So the cancer thing comes full circle here. Certainly something we'll talk about in our theory segment
0: a little later on. Pete, two thoughts about this scene here. I had wondered whether this scene is gender tropey or if the flip side is we are just um, seeing into the world of business, but also different perspectives. Certainly, part of what you get by by having a a uh, multi gender, multi ethnic, etc. Um, organization of any of any type is to get different perspectives and. Sometimes perspectives can be defined by by race or gender or whatever it might be. At the best, that's what this scene is about. She's bringing a a female perspective to things. At worst, it's just, man strong, woman somewhat weak, see other woman cry, we give her money? Um, I'm not saying that the show is definitively working in either extreme, and I certainly buy Joy 100% as a... Hardworking, intelligent businesswoman who is also trying to, well, while trying to do right by the company, is also trying to do right ethically. um And frankly, I'll take her ethics 10 times over that of Ward. A- right. And just because of the way she is as a person, whether that's because of her background as a female or the younger one or just not a butthead like Ward. <laughs> but I just wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what's the motivation of this scene. Is it to is it to show these characters honestly or is it to say woman feel man, no feel, you know, I I don't know.
1: Well, it's an interesting choice to go with a, with a cancer cluster subplot, given what their father has been represented to have died from. Um, And to present her dichotomy as someone who's gone through this and now must defend it, um against her father's legacy um and and you know developing her further as a character so i i didn't read the vulnerability in a in a negative way and again the way that the word is is written um you know certainly to to put him in the pickle that he's in later in this episode is is development Um, and it's also going to lead to a change in their dynamic. It, it does when it's, when it's found out.
0: In the lobby of the building, Danny is leaving. He opens the door to the three heroin sirens. Um,
1: so do we infer from that they work for Rand? Um, or are they there to peddle their wares to Rand employees?
0: Let me ask you this, Pete. Can we assume safely that this is a hand... This is hand heroin, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, so maybe they are going to see the hand people in Rand. And I'm trying to keep it all straight without Rand sounding like... hand. Oprah, Uma. <laughs> but maybe it's that hectic. What if
1: that end of season, you know, the the camera... Uh, you know, cranes out from what we're clear now is likely a set and and not uh, a skyscraper that they're they're renting space in to shoot. And we see the logo is R-H-A-N-D. <laughs> Boom! Defenders coming in October.
0: And, and Joy is looking out the window and has a small hand pin on her lapel.
1: And then twirls. She doesn't have a mustache, but you know, does does a, an effective uh, mustache twirling thing, uh, gesture to mm, we <laughs> we were there all the time. Hail Hydra,
0: and then she takes out a little, a little Hail uh, Handra, Handra, yes. Uh, takes a little hit of, of heroin and gets back to work. Back to Danny, though, he wow, that was who, a bridge too far. <laughs> um. He runs into the cancer cluster uh, plaintiff. She's a mom. Her son has cancer. She hammers it home. It's coming from the Rand chemical plant. Uh, Danny shows sympathy, says "says we want to do right by you. Meanwhile, their lawyer records it on his phone. Pete, are there no lawyers outside that, that one law firm in Hell's Kitchen? Are there no lawyers that aren't sleazy? It was
1: to to watch him um, talking with her and then leave to coming around a column and videotaping it and not for nothing. Yes, he was blindsided by the, by this woman, but could he be aware that he is being taped, um, in, in such a non-surreptitious way, uh, seemed well, a, a little goofy.
0: Uh, let me throw this out, Pete. How long has he lived in the modern world? Like, how long since, you know, he showed up barefoot? Four or five days?
1: Oh, no, no. He's been around a little bit longer than that. I would say this is this is bordering on uh, weeks, if not a little bit longer.
0: All right. So, my point is this. He's lived in a world with smartphones for only a couple of weeks. Um, so, I mean, barring somebody carrying a camcorder on their on their shoulder, you know, if that's what he's... If that's what he's... I mean, maybe they weren't quite that big, in, you know, 15 years ago, but... Maybe there's a little bit of an out there. Um Regardless, Pete, meanwhile at the dojo, it's Claire Temple. And it had me saying, Wait, what was the episode where she took the thing, the flyer for training or whatever? Because Pete, it's so out of the blue, I who have seen every episode of Marvel Netflix and who thoroughly enjoyed Claire, you know, leaving Harlem to go get that flyer for the dojo down in Chinatown, I had forgotten about that as a transition and it just seemed like claire temple out of the blue was there for a one-on-one sesh with no story set up in this series zero zilch no
1: definitely nothing here but we we knew of first off we knew um that that claire was cast um in a in a pseudo regular role and then there is that handoff in the final um, episode of, of Luke Cage. I don't think Matt, given the, the callbacks to other appearances made in this episode that, that there needs to be uh, story groundwork laid for her to show up. She's a, she's a student as she's kicking away here and then they take a quick break. Colleen's quick to point out that, you know, she's never had a student progress so fast. She references who she is. If you didn't already know that she's still getting used to bringing the hurt instead of fixing it. Oh, so she's, she fixes things. Oh, she's a nurse. Everything there.
0: Fair enough. I just, again, as somebody who knew she was going to be in it, who saw her on stage at New York Comic-Con for the Iron Fist panel, it was still a little incongruous to be like, oh, hey, it's Claire. And then, you know, but I digress. Um, Danny comes in at this point because you know, small world. Claire Temple, another one of the defenders. Thus is her lot in life. Um, she's not surprised to see Danny, and in a great line, his riches to rags to riches story. Mm-hmm. Live in the city long enough, and you're not surprised.
1: Yeah, and uh, just then the the men show up with the the takeout um, from the takeout. Where- <laughs> we can't
0: we can't even say you know from mercy's or from you know it's whatever sponsor, it's just bad it's take down,
1: it's take down uh take out on uh on fifth and madison <laughs> um but anyway uh it is um the you know oh it's, it's wrong timing there, there's interesting reaction by colleen with another party present throughout these couple of scenes here. Um, How exactly do you know him here? Oh, you know, she gave me a couple uh, dollars a couple uh, weeks back when I was living in the park. Wait, is this a date Um, requiring candlelight if you need my help? Everything there, you know, and it's explained away. Okay, the takeout place is dad's favorite it was the only one he knew um and getting Claire to stick around you know she'd be thrilled to spend the rest of the session uh hanging out and chewing the fat of five-star culinary takeout with them um before we wind up with a stressed out stress bald ward
0: Indeed, they are watching Ward and Joy. They're watching footage of Danny and the cancer mom. Um, Did Danny have any idea he was speaking for the company?
1: Calls him an idiot several times here. Um, You know, understandably upset.
0: But Pete, can this really be true? Can the 51% shareholder who says, we'll make this right, does that really count for the company admitting malfeasance? It'd be one thing if they scripted him as saying, we're going to make sure that your son and all the kids who got cancer from the, from Rand are going to be blah, 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 blah. Making it right could mean anything. Making it right could be, you know what? We didn't cause this, but we want to start a foundation. We want to start a scholarship. We want, you know, I mean. It did
1: feel like a stretch.
0: Um, is anything that Danny says for the company, if I ask him if he'd like fries with that, does that mean that Rand Company must now buy fries from me in bulk all the time?
1: everybody. everybody. Why is the writing
0: of this show making me side with noxious corporations for the second episode in a row? Why why is this show making me the bad guy? The principal shareholder has admitted responsibilities. This is baloney. Ward says releasing releasing the video publicly won't cost the company anything. I kind of tend to agree beyond temporary bad optics.
1: but it's it's the blackmail, I think, is what it comes back around to that they've doubled their initial number in the wake of this video, certainly sleazy. And sleezing the sleaze, as we know that Rand has had dubious, ethics in the past. So an attempt to capitalize, we weren't going to settle before, we're certainly not going to settle now. And then he's rationalizing here, well the board member was coerced into an admission of uh faults under false pretenses, no legal um you know uh connection has been drawn between Rand and the affected individuals. He's adamant they will win in court. She points out it could be uh, joy does years Uh, It might be cheaper to settle, um, but that they're threatening to release the video at the end of the day smacks of a
0: setup. Pete, Ward also notes that Danny was running his mouth about a dragon. Danny lives in a different world. Joy leaves and Ward takes out the, the packet of H. He holds it. He ponders. He thinks about it. The ring, it speaks to me kind of stuff. Uh, he he's, uh,
1: he's ready to run his mouth over some dragon.
0: <laughs> this is true. Um, he pops his own pharmaceutical pill, washing it down with booze because, Pete, that's what you do. Next thing you know, Pete, he's going to be going to play golf in Florida every weekend. This is all capped off with a text from Frank in Stein. That's dad. Do what joy says word gives uh, his computer the finger and then every other surface gives it the finger because take that dad. I hate you, dad. We should die of cancer, (gasps) but I do. Wow.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly reasonable, um, the, the steps that we're seeing him take or, or rather what he's sliding down in the descent into, um, I mean, they say one hit and you're, you're addicted to heroin, um though this, uh, synthetic stuff, um, you know, has all these bells and whistles can't imagine other than the fact that people won't have tracks, that there's all these versatile ways in which they can consume it, that, um, it won't have the same addictive properties on wards. So, Nobody else knowing other than the viewer and Ward, of course, that he's he's headed down this path, it, it really makes it kind of sad that yeah, we saw him, you know, crunching pills and and washing it with booze before, which is never ever something you're supposed to do. Um and yeah, it's it's dramatization, but to to put him in a point where He's so stressed out. He's, he's searching for even you know, poorer decisions to make and that it's out of frustration and anger with his father who has this very unique circumstance. Um, I can at least appreciate the dramatic turn they're taking here with Ward. It's not a storyline I love, but as far as giving Tom Pelfrey something to do, it's, it's definitely a more
0: challenging route. Absolutely agree. Back at the dojo, lunch is served. Danny offers a prayer, and there's wonderful, small acting as Jessica Hennick slowly puts down her knife and fork to not be seen as diving in before he is done with the prayer. Um, Danny says that they used to go all veggie at the monastery, but his friend Davos, Pete, is that like from Westworld? Um, they would eat donkey. Hey, Colleen Wing's grandma could stir-fry the S out of donkey and veggies. Um, and Pete, that's not like the uh, the Guy Fieri donkey sauce either. That's real donkey. Um, and Danny reveals in an increasingly sparse and vaguely boring scene that he focused on training, good living, and the joy of chastity. <gasps> He's chased, Pete?
1: He is. I think that's the source of some of the greater tension other than heroin subplot in this episode uh between the two of them but um to to flesh out again a little bit more of of his time there and to have an outsider witness this it's it's just not a very good scene if claire is not there
0: agreed agreed uh Danny adds that uh you know why is he, why has he only come back now because the way back was closed he had to wait for it to open again this time he forgoes that. dated the...
1: so matter of factly by the way that there was the 10 year old but it was but without was the spiritual
0: without the spiritual mumbo jumbo this time as you might recall, Pete, in in previous iterations of, of this storytelling, it's been, well, the celestial moon, the celestial cycle wasn't in the right thing, and the spiritual planes had to align. In this, it's just there was a way back, it wasn't there, then it opened up, and then I could come back. He's kind of he's he's editorialized some of the, the most mystical parts that that we buy into, and he knows, but that uh, the average person would not completely uh completely understand. At this point, uh, Claire ups and leaves taking four takeout containers. Um, I'm glad she was kind of shoehorned into this story, this scene. With that, Pete, Claire is gone. And, uh, you know, Claire, who knows multiple crime fighters, and I don't think the door was completely. Apparently feeding several of them. <laughs> True. Um, geez, I, I don't think the door is completely closed when Danny tells Colleen that baddies are pushing drugs into the city you know thank goodness Claire didn't hear that and said hey I know a guy and a gal and a guy who might be in jail or something but I I know people who can help with this instead Claire's gone and they talk about bad guys in the episode there's also some odd lighting in the scene Danny is like a quarter in shadow and Colleen is mostly lit how about the
1: sound when Claire was around at one point whooshing traffic noise which was very noticeable at another point here comes the, the train might be elevated, might be underneath, not quite sure. You're going to hear it. Um, yeah. So while I pointed out before with, with Claire, it's, it's a much better scene because there's that, you know, three person dynamic, just the two of them and not just the lighting, the kind of weird, whispering situation. I mean, yes, they're talking about synthetic heroin and whether or not they need to go to the police and... Don't go to the police. <laughs> all of that. Um, But, uh, you know, planning a mission here that they're going to prove it to Ward that they need evidence that there's a shipment at 8.30 tonight. It undergoes inspection because, you know, they inspect it and they own the pier so they can do whatever in... You know upfront writing that of course is going to go awry
0: indeed the whole forthcoming mission is spelled out they gotta they gotta you know check it all out they need he needs colleen to watch him he, she's got to help because the heroin is going to get on the streets and affect the students affect their streets so the, the 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 drama is very real for colleen danny offers for her to skip rent and she says no again well he bought the building he's the new landlord so that's not vaguely kind of creepy again. I don't think Danny is Danny is not actually out to be placing, you know, no. undue pressure on her, but it's a weird situation to be like, Hey, pretty lady, you have to do ninja with me. Cause I own your building.
1: It's infuriating for her. And I can see why as a small business owner, as a woman, as somebody who wants to make good on her own debt, hence, uh underground fight club uh ufc fighting as opposed to sure i'll just take the six months rent that you hey remember you said that you gotta make good on it because you said it um so you know cracking him about the uh the sink that needs to be fixed is certainly an appropriate way to end that scene
0: by the way dear listeners if you heard my phone in the background that's because when i said hey pretty lady But all in one phrase, uh, the phone thought I was beckoning it. So read into that what you want, but that's literally what it did. Um, Back to the Rand building we go. Ward is saying that they need to act quickly with this Staten Island chemical situation. Too bad Danny isn't here anyway. He's talking to the assembled board. Anyway, after consulting with Joy... Ward is not settling. What? That's not what Joy said before. I can't believe Ward is acting of his own volition. Joy is surprised. Um, the board disagrees with a lot of walla walla. You know, walla walla walla. I can't believe this. The long-term bad isn't worth the short-term handoff by settling, though. Joy businessman. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say Joy speaks up in defense of her brother, reminding them that Ward's leadership is unimpeachable.
1: Unimpeachable unimpackable that he's had a perfect record, which I don't – yeah, this is fiction, but can anyone have a perfect record of anything? That that seemed a bit much. That and, you know, uh dour businessman who didn't get a name in the previous episode who's called Lawrence here, he thinks that right and wrong uh, is interfering with uh, what's best for the company <laughs> – um, you know, so so certainly there are shades here, Matt, when we're talking about calling a bluff as opposed to, um, you know, a, a $200 million uh, issue having uh, in, in a, in a uh, you know, challenging fiscal year for this company to ringing the dinner bell to anybody who's ever been wronged by this corporate giant.
0: I just want to point out, Pete, and again, here I am defending the company, but uh you know, if they had sold that uh leishmanias pill for like six dollars a pill, then they might have enough money to be like. Look, we didn't cause the cancer in Staten Island, but we want to do a an endowment fund anyway on account of us having made a little bit of money on the life-saving pill.
1: But having brought that up, doesn't that strengthen their position when and if they go to trial? Your Honor, my clients, prior to the initiation of this lawsuit, announced – that they will be uh, selling this pharmaceutical, this life-altering, life-saving pharmaceutical, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, at cost. And though our uh, principal shareholder has uh, said that he will make this right, what do you say when you are ambushed by one of the plaintiffs in this case who's fourth grade son is dying of cancer the defense
0: rests (laughs) it's difficult to argue with pete speaking of the defense resting joy having defended her brother she says shall we vote and then they kind of one two three sit there for four five (laughs) five seconds in dramatic scene ending staring at each other instead of saying they
1: voted it just didn't vote on screen that's all we had to get to the pier man
0: They kind of sustain, 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 and we're out. Back to the dojo, Danny has found uh, Colleen's non-practicing katana. Colleen isn't impressed. Uh, He's got such wusha baloney with the sword. She shows him how to really use it. There's great use here of slow motion and long shots cut together with uh, close-ups, and the lighting makes the scene special. It makes the spark between them glow. It makes, quite frankly, the camera love Jessica Hennick, even more than it already does she has that it factor that that intangible thing and all the all the the tools of uh TV and film here highlight that uh not sh-
1: help but think so he plays with the sword first and then you know she just makes him look like a fool okay which he praises then he's like oh hey check this out i got your nunchucks now and does some stuff and we're like all right, I can't do that. He did it, you know, side note, um, you know, in, in our childhood, and I know there's a lot of stories of it happening with others, but you know, uh, my, and my family, uh, our childhood, uh, you know, my brother once bought from, um, a, a spot at a mini mall, a pair of wooden nunchucks when he was like eight and they let it happen. So <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, whipped around nunchucks and found out it is not that easy at all. Um, but then she takes him and she makes him look like an amateur again. Now, how much of this is, shall I say, scripted? How much of this is edited? It would seem all of it intentional. So the iron fist is is not good with weapons. is that just who he is as a character? I found it a very interesting presentation
0: uh, That's an interesting point and probably the chief criticism, despite the fact that it is it gives Colleen an opportunity to shine and we appreciate that and and, and in many ways it shows her to be his superior when it comes to weapon fighting. But you're right if if life at the monastery was, um, master one fighting style, then move on to the next, to the next, to the next. He's got to know how to swing a sword in addition to make his fist, you know, semi-molten iron. Um, Do you not need
1: weapons? At the, I mean, he's the living weapon. I don't know. It, it just seemed like, yes, show her to be proficient, nay, his words, amazing with these... Um, genreistic istic uh, weapons, okay? The the samurai uh, ninja-style sword. The um, the nunchucks. But that he's kind of dopey with them, yeah, just seem like okay.
0: Well, she's amazing. It's true, all of it. Uh, he also needs a phone to take the pictures. So he takes out his phone. Oh, wait, he's got a lot of missed calls from the office. Oh, well. Back towards office. He's watching a news report about the shocking flip of uh, Rand Enterprises concerning the cancer cluster. Ward is ready for Not more, just
1: Pete. any news report, Matt.
0: Who, who is that, Pete?
1: That's Temba from Luke Cage, man. Blowing <laughs> up uh, Mariah up in Harlem.
0: It's all connected. It was great to see. It, it was great to see that familiar face. Um, I don't know. It's just. You get this added bonus watching all these shows. You really do. Even in this episode, which is n- not the not the best one of of the bunch so far. It's been um, so
1: fun to see, which you know. I mean, listen. Uh, I I don't think other than Claire Temple, you could have uh, somebody who makes more of an impression than Rob Morgan as uh, Turk Barrett in. Um, You know, two of the shows that he's appeared in and and, uh, a call out in uh, the the Jessica Jones comic that that came out before the uh, the show uh, hit Netflix. Um, But to see some of the other players, some of the supporting people show up across the series has has definitely been a bright spot in a situation where there's been a lot of bright spots.
0: Ward is ready for more of his pills. What uh, what may be hydrocodone? Uh, those are pain pills. Twenty milligrams, pretty high dose. Only supposed to be taken one every twenty four hours, according to the the uh, the bottle there, which I'm pretty sure is a is a CVS label. Um, but hey, Pete, that's not what this scene really is about. It's about Chekhov's heroin packet again. Ward slowly and carefully considers the heroin. Oh goodness. He looks at it all while his phone rings. Presumably it's dad. He looks at the heroin some more. See that it's
1: Frankenstein calling. He flips it over.
0: Well, I think he might have seen it. I know we don't, but it's just, it's.
1: No, no, we saw that it it is indeed his father.
0: Oh, this time again as well? Yes. Well, there you go. Screw you, dad. I'm going to do the heroin. It's what the kids do these days. Forget a
1: finger. I'm going to put a finger in my veins. (laughs) That night, give my veins the finger.
0: <laughs> that night at the pier, though, the story moving on because Ward can't take the freaking heroin in one scene. It's got to be over three or four. That night at the pier, Danny shows up in what might be an Aston Martin, but either way, it looks super expensive. Um, side note. I mean, I didn't go back and check, and I'm not really a car guy, but I love the idea that Danny would have come back and been like, sweet, I'm a billionaire. Get me a James Bond Aston Martin. Oh, they don't have any from 64. Get me a new Aston Martin.
1: And that's kind of the issue early on in this scene. She tells him to put his hood up, that he's a target now because of all that money, of all that power.
0: Uh, By the way, Slate.com referencing how uh, it is indeed an Aston Martin. So I take that back. Turns out I am a car guy. Um, Indeed, hoods up so he doesn't get noticed. Um, And, uh, you know, it's because he's so darned rich. Uh, They see some guards with machine guns. Pete, why do they have machine guns?
1: Because they can no fight like Iron Fist
0: fights. That's right. Uh, Colleen isn't sure if they should even be there. She could leave, of course, resume her normal life but just like her cage fighting, she enjoys winning. She even enjoys hurting those guys. With that, it's action time. Danny tells her to follow in his footsteps, and they'll never be seen. They hide between two shipping containers and are close, really close. They're both lit by a golden light. Them's are two handsome people, and the camera just knows it as they kind of just look at each other with their their big eyes. Um, I'm there with you. Metaphorically, anyhow, the wide shots of uh, Danny and Colleen or their stunt people show them jumping over the flotsam and jetsam of a busy pier. And then we have close-ups of the main actors climbing over lesser flotsam and jetsam of the same. Um, At this point, they pause and apologize for things like talking poorly and saying this poorly and giving out the wrong intentions for takeout. Question one, Pete, is take out a metaphor? And question two, can we get a move on to, you know, busting up a crime scene and some, you know, kicking bad guy butts here? Is
1: take out the coffee of Iron Fist? Hey, you want to get some
0: takeout From an anonymous restaurant. They sent a plastic table. (laughs) Anyhow, they, they walk silently, and I mean silently, across the metal shipping container. Uh, they have training. I'll, 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 allow it. They lay down ready to take pictures of the arrived items. What is it, Pete? It looks like stuff, you know, it's not big packages labeled heroin drugs here. Uh, the two <laughs> containers open. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> this is where your heroin is.
1: Well, there's a flare too. That's our heroin flare
0: da, at the heroin da, 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 da.
1: at the Rand heroin <clears throat> Red Hook Pier location.
0: We are uh, Heroin. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean you see the the first one what do they say it is? It's supplies. The second one it's equipment. Oh, that third one, right, Matt? That's going to be the boxes and boxes of heroin, commercial grade uh heroin, synthetic, untraceable that Danny was talking about. Of course it's not that because there's like 18 minutes left in the episode. It's too convenient. We can see the TV writing on the wall, which is usually written on a whiteboard and then they write it on their laptops and then it becomes paper.
0: And also it's like a bunch of Brown boxes. It's like, Oh no, you foiled Amazon from getting stuff to me in two days.
1: They don't pack it in foil. They put it in <laughs> wax mat. <laughs>
0: Anyhow, there's a strange momentum at this point. Danny hops down to inspect the boxes in in container number three. He slips into the container just as it's re-locked up. Uh, Danny is still in the closest part to the doors. He isn't past the canvas area, which clearly is some sort of dividing thing. Um, I, I had to wonder, is that canvas there so they could then replicate the front part of the container to make a small set? um or is there a bad guy behind it or both um regardless colleen jumps down slithering in the darkness there's a really good moment where she runs hard out of the darkness toward the security guard all you see is her face at first and then she comes out of the shadows knocks him out with one kick steals the security truck pete when does daughter of the dragon the series come out
1: not soon enough
0: uh, at this point, Danny is ready to go farther back in the container to see what's there. Um, and uh, through the canvas opening, there's a proper wooden door. And Pete, it's like a little little living room. Radoven, the chemist, is there watching some of the European footballs. And that is when a big bearded guard comes no, up from
1: the No, 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 no. Out of sequence, brother. And hey, we got to call Pete? it on this. Got to call it on this, okay? So they're moving, yet there's this pseudo- apartment living quarters complete with a kitchenette a flat screen that apparently is being able to if not stream then uh whatever method that it's getting this football soccer uh for us american um uh listeners uh you know coming across and then matt there is a cutaway back to uh Colleen and then back to the guy who, if he doesn't just uh sit up from reclining on the couch, wakes up off of the couch. That I'm wondering where, hey, I'm the chemist. Oh, who are you? Who are you? And then we go, and then we come back, and then this guy finally notices what was up. <laughs>
0: maybe pete the, just from the way you've described the edit maybe they had that slower pace that you just described and then cut away from it and 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 came back um i don't know regardless um the uh the 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 guard the big bearded guard guy takes out his gun and fires at it and pete the bullet goes through the wooden door through the modest amount of stuff in the shipping container, through the container door, and hits Colleen's windshield. I would like to get the MythBusters in on that one because I call bullet baloney.
1: Iron uh, bullet, more like.
0: Uh, that's true. Maybe it's maybe it's a maybe it's a bullet from from Loon. Um There's a decent fight scene that then unfolds. It's it's belied. A bit by way too much uh, shaky cam action what do they think this is the first 20 minutes of uh of uh civil war where you you're not supposed to see anything because the camera's just being shaken around
1: but bottles chairs cleavers matt in this shipping container um it it seemed nonsensical as a place to set this little enterprise i guess is he is he making the stuff there is this just where he lives they're shipping him over so there was continuity and whatever i mean we find out a little bit later this guy's got a a a daughter who's being held hostage but there there seems something nonsensical about the setup
0: yeah i think it's all kind of under the umbrella of it's a slightly slightly strange episode um regardless uh also in the department of why doesn't Superman use his super speed all the time? I guess Danny doesn't iron his fists and take the guy out in one hit because they need Bearded Batty's knife to miss Danny and hit Radovan, the chemist. Um, with that, Danny takes the chemist and himself to the container door, and he irons his fist, and then he just kind of stares out at Colleen for another good five seconds. We a lot a good silent contemplation for five seconds in this episode um i'm sorry that's before he blasts the door open he's kind of stares at it um but he blasts the door open sees colleen trailing in the truck and then motions for them to jump on the hood i guess they didn't want to wait you know for a red light but it's 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 terribly dramatic um they they say that they need to take radavan to the nearest hospital but he's a wanted man in several countries uh so they could find him first solution they know a nurse and pete i tweeted out today There's like eight hospitals in Brooklyn, all of which you could get to quicker before going from uh, Red Hook to Chinatown. I get that there's the omnipresent threat of the hand, and I get that they've attacked in the hospital. But Pete, Radovan is bleeding out here, and I also don't know how long it's going to take Claire to get from uptown to, to downtown like that. Under
1: the constraints that they create on the story, to me, it's believable.
0: I agree, but it's when all it takes is a Google map, and then you could further filter it by, no, no, run that for 11.30 p.m. tonight. Oh, it still is going to be 15 minutes and six miles. I, I, again, it's 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 believable, but it's it's kind of like some of this iPhone stuff, like iPhones don't work in this show the way you know them, to because story. Anyhow, Pete, are you ready to go back to office?
1: Uh, Joy is. And when she goes in there, she's got news that the video, of course, as promised, has gone viral. She finds the empty pill bottle. Uh, There is lightning uh, off to the side, making this, of course, atmospheric, something that comes around um, in the next couple scenes. She wants to know uh, what he has uh, taken. She uh, has her tie or whatever's on her blouse there kind of played with a little strangely by Ward. Um, you know, given their status, you know, as brother and sister. Um and she tells him that she needs him in his right mind. But he laughs. He's he's doing it to him, Matt. Must mean Danny, right? That's the only him we could mean. Um and uh shh don't, don't say it, Joy. He'll hear. Um, but uh, all of this is scaring Joy. Uh, there's no way out, Ward says. And then he uh, oddly snuggles his sister.
0: Hopefully in a fraternal way. Thank you very much. Um, at the dojo. They did but,
1: share a room. Oh, they're not twins. I'm sorry. Well. I was going to say they did share a room once share <laughs> sure, sure, a womb
0: <laughs> regardless difference. at the dojo radovan has a collapsed lung but claire fixes him up with a credit card and some surgical tape uh, It prevents too much air and blood from going to the wrong spots this will allow his lung to reinflate pretty awesome scene i'll assume a, it's medically fix. accurate
1: Who, whoever uh came up with that that was that was thought out and i was like wow you know, we, we've given the show and I think rightly so a hard time at a couple points. Um, you know, I've I've praised things where Matt hasn't, and and vice versa. You can go back and, and listen early on, but this as a as a piece of storytelling um in this particular scene was well done.
0: Uh Radovan now stabilized, calls out for Sabina, his daughter, the hand have her. Uh, Claire is shocked. She, of course, knows about the hand. Uh, he is starting a war. Danny is by taking Radavan. Claire has seen an army of ninjas who gutted a colleague. Pete, if only someone would call Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage to help out. That's what I was thinking this entire time. Um, Listen,
1: Daredevil is in court right now. Okay. He can't be reached.
0: Crossover. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jessica Jones. We all know she's on a bender. OK, uh, Luke Cage is uh, back at Seagate Prison, so she can't unite the four of them just yet. But we we again get glimpses of his importance, Matt, that he's the only one who can do it. He's trained for this war against the hand his entire time and finding out that, um, you know, Radovan's formula was was the one that was used. They were going to uh put their operation in New York and export this all over the world that the hand kidnaps children to control their parents that they need somebody with special skills. You got one right there unbeknownst of course to Colleen and Claire, the level of special skills, not having seen the, uh, the iron fist used in front of them just yet, but the prophetic aspect of Claire's mother pointed out from Luke cage that, um, you know, her mom says that she can't escape people like him, but if he believes she believes and, uh, he is not going to have to go against the hand alone. Um, because, uh, Colleen is going to help before we check out this rainy warehouse, Matt, and the character I call, Beardo.
0: <laughs> Indeed, elsewhere, Beardo is with Madame Gao. Uh, great use of color here. There's yellows and greens and reflections on the wet ground. Um, Gao is told that uh, that the mystery man, Danny, uh, punched through solid metal with his hands. Inspecting says,
1: it, no, nonetheless. You know, this, this would seem like something otherwise beneath her, but that she's taking some such attention to to do it herself and wait a minute it was his hands and not his fist you know like the immortal iron fist
0: Gao has beardo neil she goes behind him uh, her cane unsheathing the uh, hidden sword inside of course of course as you do when you're uh, the you know in charge of a secret criminal organization Um, She stabs him through the neck, through the mouth, his blood pouring into the water. Certainly a, uh, a gripping visual there. And then at this point, finally, we get the Madam Gal lit close up to end the episode.
1: Sparring partners. Let's take a look at who Danny faced off against in this episode
0: pete for the first one here he literally faced them off uh the heroin sirens who uh pete aren't synthetic just selling...
1: heroin sirens matt it's completely legal
0: <laughs> that's true pete they just don't sell synthetic heroin they also uh they also let's just say they use their their womanly wiles which i'm not quite sure how i feel about but but they do yeah, they're like, they're like the Bud Light girls, but for synthetic heroin.
1: It's not jarring, um, but again, that's intentional. It's, it's on the page. They want it uh, done in that particular way. And whether to distract or to disarm, they're using they're using what their mama gave them.
0: Pete, next up, Beardo. He uses what his papa gave him in terms of having a rather uh, prodigious beard
1: yeah, this is an episode that's decidedly uh villain light. Um, you know, given where Ward is, you can't really cast him in this position. So all right, we have the guy that Danny fights in the in the shipping container who uh, ultimately dies he's he's a tough, but for every, um, you know, mastermind villain, like the one we're going to talk about next, you
0: have to have the the henchman uh, here, one with a beard. Indeed, Pete, last on the list, Madam Gao, who I feel like has been around for a couple episodes. Obviously, I knew her and recognized her voice and all that, but this kind of a grand reveal with which to end the episode.
1: When we talk about Madam Gao and we bring in watching Ho. Um, Just eats up every scene she's in, whether they uh, light her face or they don't. Uh, The menace that she's brought, the ability to disappear. Obviously, there's this central mystery surrounding her and the hand. Um, But to see her do violence for the first time in all of her appearances between uh, Daredevil and here now ups her menace, obviously, to a level that we have not seen before. Time to focus our chi and look inside this episode.
0: Pete, here's a question for you. With Ward now having sampled the, the uh, addiction-causing, unresistance-forming uh, heroin, how long is this... Ward is heroine storyline going to uh going to continue on.
1: Well ward's not a heroine. Um he, he's uh he's male, so he would be a hero, Matt. Um <laughs> but again we we've usually cast him in uh antagonist type of role. Uh I mean having finished the the season, I could of course tell you I'm I'm not going to. Um I was surprised that they went this route. This is not a type of presentation we tend to see with characters of a major importance kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, what they would do with uh, Christopher on, um, you know, The Sopranos and the, the spiral that he was in there. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Ward, um, but a, a character on his type of level on another drama like that.
0: Pete, what theories do you have for me?
1: Well, first, the cancer cluster responsibility and the connection made by Ward to Joy that this is obviously dredging up issues of their father's um, sickness and ultimate, at least on her understanding, demise from cancer was that cancer a product of the company
0: how very mr robot um i suppose it's possible but i, I kind of feel like that would be too neatly written in terms of um you know he he the the pain he caused to others came back and and ultimately took him out or at least you know to whatever degree we are buying into the notion that he uh, truly died uh, before the hand revived him. Uh, I, I am, co- I of course am with that hundred percent. I just think it's a, a little too neat versus to just say we live in a world where sometimes, you know, really vigorous cancer comes out of the blue un on uh, provoked. I'm kind of better with that randomness versus the, the more rightfully approach.
1: The last um, theory I want to talk about, Matt, we've, we've talked about it off mic You know, a couple of these episodes, but I think it comes to a head here, given Gao's direct involvement now uh, with some violence, not as a proxy. We had the hand first rear itself on Daredevil. It was a Mr. Nobu uh, run organization. Um, Of course, Nobu has been dealt with in the second season of. Daredevil as well, but that Gao is hand now, and um, that we've established Nobu as being Japanese. We've established Gao as the, the the Chinese crime syndicate, and they're both hand. What do you make of that?
0: Well, that's a that's a really interesting question. Certainly, what we have been presented thus far across the um, uh, across these different series and these different seasons. I certainly approached it in Daredevil thinking that The Hand was, at its uh, at its core, a Japanese organization. Now, we've also been given plenty of heads up uh, how it has evolved over time, how it has spread. It's multinational and so on and so forth. Um, I could buy that it has, you know, Japanese, Chinese, Southeast Asian, European, you know, Purple polka dots, whatever, if you're willing to be a bad guy and willing to be an earner for the hand, I think there's a place for you with the hand. Does it have me kind of vaguely concerned, particularly under this uh, umbrella of how, you know, is the show properly treating Asian characters? How's it handling Asian stereotype? Have we taken this Japanese thing and been like, uh, they're kind of, you know, Chinese, Japanese, that's all the same. Um... I'd, how about this? I would hope that the show gives us some clear, some clear exposition in the next episode or two to say, you know, Japanese. I thought this was or Chinese. I thought this was Japanese. You know what? They're 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 evil everywhere. Just something to kind of something to kind of make it clear that they're aware that they haven't mistaken Chinese Chinese and Japanese people as all the same.
1: Let's look at some messages from the mystical city of Kundun. Matt at uh, the left at the Facebook uh, page for Fantastic Geek. That's uh, Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek. We first had a message from uh, Henry Perno, who wrote, uh, "Can't wait to listen to the podcast, then rewatch each episode after having binged the whole season." Um, then we had our old friend, uh, Robert T. Frost, who left two messages. I'm going to give you the first one today. We'll get to discussion about the other one uh, to come. But uh, I'm going to uh, summarize a little bit. He, he, uh, he darns um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, special effects boss Mark Kolpak, but for good reasons. He's, he's become uh, used to the high bar of TV special effects through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not quite so much on Iron Fist says leaving him a little bit flat. Uh, granted, it may be that the, uh, the scene is being shot to represent the point of view of a child and the memory is many years old. But the effect when Danny's mother is sucked out of the plane is somewhat disappointing. Uh, it's not bad. It's just that it doesn't look as smooth and polished as many effects we have come to know and love on our Marvel shows. Aside from this nitpick, I very much enjoyed.
0: Certainly, the quality of effects that we see on Agents of Shield rivals uh, bigger shows. You know, rivals some of the stuff on HBO and and, uh, FX, and and I was going to say larger budgets. I mean, we're not privy to the Shield budget, but they get tons of bang out of their buck. And um, it, it's a very high bar for any show to be compared to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, visual effects that they get. That's a very, very high bar, uh, particularly, uh, or rather, should I say, in spite of these rich times on TV. Pete, speaking of riches, our patrons on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, they don't make us rich, but they Share a little of their own riches to keep the podcast up and running and uh, keep this beast alive.
1: And when you choose to go to patreon.com forward slash fantastic geek, we at least want to try to enrich your life beyond this thing that we do. So there are plenty of perks to pick from at every level. You're going to get access to exclusive podcast podcasts content there so at the very least check it out always uh looking and uh rotating in new uh perks so uh be sure to check it out in addition to something we're going to be running on uh our our twitter and our facebook for a giveaway that will uh be drawn on uh tuesday april 4th
0: exciting stuff so yeah watch our social media for info on that and, Pete, let's now transition. Talking to you on the social media, that's always a free perk. How can people do that on the Twitter?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, K E T E L A 9,120 followers. can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be touched with the podcast in a whole variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek. That is Fantastic with the P-H. Find us on uh, fantasticgeek at gmail.com, fantasticgeek.com, fantasticgeek on Instagram and Twitter as well. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: Facebook.com forward slash fantasticgeek with the P-H, all one word. Like it today, be part of our hand.
0: Pete, we will be back on Wednesday to continue to podcast Iron Fist. And uh, until then, I will say goodbye to all our listeners and give you the final word.
1: If it helps, I don't know what I'm doing or saying until it's taken the wrong way.